Hey everybody, it's Matt Loon here, uh, co-host of That's The Issue. You know the podcast you're just about to listen to? Yeah, that's the one. Just to let you know that uh, we are going to be spoiling a few of the current comics that are coming out uh, the last couple of weeks. Specifically, Detective Comics 935, Batman number 1 and Uncanny Avengers number 10. So if you don't want to be spoiled on any of those, I'd skip to about 25 minutes into the podcast and you should be fine. Alright, enjoy the show. Oh, and check out the new theme tune. Hello everybody and welcome to That's The Issue. This is the brand new comic book podcast that gets to know you through the issues that you love. My name is Matt Loon and I'm joined by my co-host Wesley Nessa. Wes, how are you doing tonight? Not bad, Matt. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thanks. Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to uh, ignore the politics for now. Uh, Focus on the comic books. That's that's my happy place and that's what I'm sticking with. Um, So we've got a, a great show lined up for you tonight. We've got our... Uh, old friend and editor-in-chief, uh, ex-editor-in-chief, and ex-podcast buddy Josh uh, coming onto the show uh, to talk about an issue that is significant to him. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to have a look at uh, reviewing a couple of comics. Wes, what comic do you want to look to talking about from the last couple of weeks? Now, I, I would say right now, like the newest one I just read, I remember we talked about it last I actually, from this week, I just read Detective Comics, the number 935. Mm-hmm. And the series is coming together. It's pretty it's, good, isn't it? It's coming together really well. How many comics opened, like, the idea of the mudroom they came they came up with, that James Tinian came up with, the four came up with, that is the coolest darn thing I have. Yeah, it's like um, Clayface makes his own holodeck. Pretty terrifying, because he makes a, a whole mob of jokers to fight, to train up the, the young recruits of Batwoman. And Batwoman's just sort of like, I... Yeah, you guys, I gotta train you guys up more. So you guys gotta hang out in the mudroom for a little bit longer. And I'm like, and another he's, three hours. Another three hours, and he's like, we can't do this forever. That yeah, we we can't do this forever. Yeah. And but I love how they're doing because they have Clayface under the control of this, uh, controlling his powers with this sort of this uh, gauntlet. These gauntlets yeah. that keep him from um, keep him from having to tran- from transforming all the time. Yeah. Which I thought that's pretty cool. And yeah, it's a cool really progression to, of his character as well. It's really it kind of progressing his character, and they even do some cool stuff with um, the. The really neat about this issue is they do a lot of cool stuff with Tim Drake, and they also do a, a lot of cool stuff with Batwoman. They're she gets really a lot of show like a dad's in it and everything. It's uh, it's a good development for her, I think. Not that she needs it, obviously she's a fully developed character, but uh, just kind of this is going to bring in quite a lot of new readers to to her character, and it's great to really get an insight into. And even cooler was like the Tim Drake bit we the trim drake that we got in this issue was showing the neat the friendship that that uh cassandra kane's orphans like formed with them for and then of course every freaking fan fan probably lost their entire minds when they saw tim drake and stephanie they went <gasps> i had a little gasp at that myself i was like oh oh okay this is a thing that's cool they because people have been kind of they've been kind of screwing around it and and it's and it's like if by the way anyone who hasn't read this issue sorry for- <laughs> yeah we've we've not even said spoilers like sorry spoilers uh but it's really funny what they're doing is they're doing as like tinny is really really doing some character deep diving here and it's very it's it's good it's like a very it feels like a very classic bat it's like a it's like true bat yeah and batman inc did a real did pretty cool with it but this is like taking like some of the ideas of batman inc of batman incorporated doing the like the team book of batman and then this book really goes this is like a legit old school team book yeah doing really well i think it's doing exactly what rebirth said it was going to do which is keeping the modern new 52 style but also you know introducing some of the older elements from pre-52 or pre-new 52 and i also love what they did with orphan her going yeah orphan comes over she just kind of sits and watches tv Mm-hmm. Some blood. Yeah, just she's cute. Watching TV, and it's like so. It depends on where she fights. She just kind of pops in, says hi, and makes waves hi, and sits down and relaxes. Yeah, after doing some damage. I just, I'm like, that's funny. That's actually- and Batman's in this. Batman's kind of has a bit of a prominent scene near the end of the issue. That was crazy. It was a crazy end to the issue, yeah. But like, I like the fact that he's not central to it. I like the fact that obviously the shadow of the bat, as it were, um, is 
kind of across the issue as it would be because he's the glue that binds all these people together but at the same time I like the idea that it's not really about him it's about these other characters because we've already got Batman as a comic we don't need we don't need him to be the focus of two it's really and that's what's really neat about it and considering it like what I kind of like what they're doing here it's like and, and it's like Eddie and of course me get like Eddie as pretty much you get like Eddie Barrows involved in it with uh let's see make sure I get the uh name right here yeah I would yeah. say the um, creative team it's uh, James Tinian or Tynion the fourth in Tynion the fourth Eddie Barrows pencils Ibera Ferrer inks uh, Adrian Lucas colors and I mean really Barrows is like it's not like it's not a funny Eddie Barrows as sort of like the DC house style, so to speak, it's a really cool look way of doing it. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna do a kind of like a really neat like a house style sort of style, it really works for this because it's really it's like great emotion on the faces. I mean, it does really cool freaking I like playing like some cool layout. Tinian really Tinian Ford just goes nuts with it. Tinian's just like playing around with cool design, like cool ways to kind of let Barrows really play around. There's a lot of really cool panel work. Like I love the panel designs of this book. It does yeah. really work. and every so like, often one of the panels is like um, watercolor. Or pastels. I love that. It's yeah the the freaky the like the work that they do with um like the watercolor on this that's really cool. I mean the color like the color is uh it, let's see my God I'm about to remember this the colorist name but Jada uh, Lucas the colors it's really good color work. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's really it's, cool. it, uh, it's really it's kind of funny because like you go from this book it's like really cool what they do so a lot of crazy stuff in this issue and doing a lot of cool stuff and then and it kind of follows up like how you say like not the not the new one do a full review of Batman, but it's like a quick little bit of like how Batman set up a, a big giant thrill ride. Batman number one is a really strong issue as well. It's a thrill ride. It's riding a plane. That was the first thing I thought. Like I think I made references on Twitter when I said, you know what it reminds me of the A team of like what is he doing? He's gonna pilot a tank. Oh yeah, yeah. So for the first thing I saw, he's piloting the plane. Yeah. He just stood on sat on top of the plane steering it with chains, was it he was steering it with? With chains. I mean, yeah. it's the craziest thing. Like, I'm like, Tom King, you're you're a complete nut. But I love that you're a complete nut. That you're trying having Batman pilot. Uh, and and of course, we have David Finch doing the art on it. And this is like Finch 2.0. Like like this is sort of like Finch's art on another level. Like he's really like I love how Finch is playing with his style. Yeah, I think I thought David Finch was he. I, I've not thought he was very suited to Wonder Woman at all. And I can come and go with his art, but I thought he suited this issue and Batman generally really well. And it's funny how they did the go- how they set up the goth the, the new heroes of Gotham yeah, and of Gotham, Gotham girl. And and it's like, well, they're flying. Um yeah. I didn't know they did that. Cuz cuz the, cause the uh, theory off of off of uh, bleeding cool was like everyone's like, "Oh, they're night owl and it's like, no. They're not now, yeah, they can't. Nope, not now. Nope, they're they're straight up superpowered. I mean, yeah. we don't know what their story is, but yep, they're it's like, "Okay, okay, king, okay, okay, fit. you're you you guys, you got this. This is crazy, and I—it's—it's it's a very and I love and it's like it's got such a neat look to it. And the comic has—it doesn't have that typical feel of it's. It kind of feels like a good way if you're going to set up the aftermath of Snyder's Batman run. It's like you're doing a different style with the run. And he's hitting so ground running, definitely with that. And it's definitely different, and it feels different, and it has a different flow to it, and it's necessary, and it's cool. So that's what I kind of like about how Batman books feel so far. Yeah. Like Batman and Ted Comics both have such different fields from what I feel from what the other books have been before, and that's really cool. That's why I kind of reference Batman because I thought they're both books that have different feels to it, and they feel like okay, we're on to the next stage of Batman. Like this is the next stage. This is not just part two of whatever else we were doing. No, this is the next stage of these characters, and and it works, and that's really cool. I'm pretty pleased with where the Batman books are going. I think the the Bat family of books so far are great and I think um, the crossover coming up um, called Batman yes. Night of the Monster Men which that, sounds amazing it's insane I love the sound of it this is what I love about DC Comics at it's best it's when it's crazy and when it's not afraid to be kind of silver age silliness and, and they're doing and I mean they've got they've got Riley Rosmo working on the book which is awesome and, and love and Riley Rosmo he's doing art on, and Steve Orlando's writing, and he's co-writing. I think he's co-writing all the books with. Yeah, uh, I think he's definitely got. Yeah, uh, Steve Orlando, Riley Rosmo. It's a six-part crossover that starts in Batman number seven, mm-hmm. and runs through. 
Batman, Nightwing, and Detective Comics. Yeah, that's all through October. Um, so it's a little bit of a way off yet, but uh, the synopsis reads. Gotham City is the battleground for the first crossover since the beginning of Rebirth. Night of the Monster Men spans the Batman, Nightwing and Detective issues on sale late September and early October, pitting the heroes of Gotham against a mystery-shrouded foe from the Dark Knight's past. Yeah, it's really a, such a cool idea. It's and it's and it, when I saw it announced, I went, I can't believe this is happening, right? And it's like it's this is like a crossover story, and people think it's like, well, it's a big mega cross. Like, no, it's it's in only three books. And I think it's like it's pretty much three books, perfect. It's contained in the three books. It's not spreading anything else. It's just three books, fighting monsters. And they've used the word kaiju a couple of times, which means that it's not just going to be kind of monster men. It's going to be monster monsters. And it's I've never seen Batman fight kaiju before, but as soon as you say that, you, you've sold me. Exactly. I was like, who would have thought they'd have Batman fighting kaiju? Like, it's like. Why didn't they tell it? I, I, I was like, I like one. I remember people were saying, why did they do this sooner? Yeah, having yeah. fight giant, mo- giant freaking monsters. Yeah, it's yeah. like, why are they doing it? It's like, why have they not done it before? Why hasn't someone done this before? <laughs> this is so cool. It's cool, yeah. It's, and I think that's why, I think it's kind of like DZ is going, yeah, we're just trying out. We're just really cutting loose with it. Because someone said, because I like people are going, like, I was like, yeah, I guess it seems soon, too soon after we just started. Like, Trust me. This is why, there's a reason why we're doing this right now. That's fine. It'd be great. And it's not too soon because it's going to be in October or September. It, October, it's so. I'm playing what I call what I, what I read online. People are going, well, it's a crossover. It's too big. No, it's, it's not. It's not. And it's three books. And the thing is, like, if, as long as DC keep, and since they're keeping to two ninety nine, the thing is, right now, all people are starting to narrow down which books they're going to be following in yeah. Rebirth. So, yeah, so it's like we're already starting to pick that. And I think if you if you're buying Batman, you're buying Detective. And if you're buying, if you're Detective, buying those two, and you're not picking up Nightwing, you might as well just for this crossover. And it's like you're going to kind of pick Nightwing anyway. So it's yeah. and you know what, Nightwing's part, and and it's going to be Tim Seeley working on Nightwing, and Tim Seeley's been pretty darn good at DC. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be in good. So I, I want to. I'm conscious of the fact that all we seem to have done these past couple of episodes is talk about rebirth stuff. So I'm going to veer us away from DC. Because yeah, I don't want us to just be a DC podcast, even though because well, no, in the coming weeks, like I've actually got stuff. I'm I'm I've heard of because as I keep because I've been reading stuff and now I'm we're going to start first fight pretty fast. But so what do you find that's going to be a little bit different? Well, um, I literally about half an hour before I come on the show, um, I read uh, Uncanny X Men, uh, Uncanny Avengers number ten. Oh Lord! Marvel Comics, and I've not. I read the first like three issues of Uncanny Avengers, but then I saw this cover, which is Ultron Reborn, mm-hmm. um, and I ha- I just had to pick it up, and I just thought, oh, I'll give that a go, and um, I picked it up, and I'd read the Rage right. of Ultron. Uh, the graphic novel from Rick Remender and Jerome Pena. Yeah, Jerome Pena. It's a really cool little story. Really enjoyed it. Um, and this is almost a sequel to that in a way because it continues Hank Pym's story. Um, and this issue, I've, as I say, I've not read any of the ones where Hank Pym's been in it, but Hank Pym now is uh, merged as a cyborg with the Ultron personality, the Ultron body. Um, and so he, Ultron and Hank Pym are one being and they've now joined the unity squad which is obviously ironic because he's two people in one um and they've got janet van dyne as wasp in the squad they've got deadpool they've got cable they've got quicksilver uh jericho drum um the mystic voodoo guy they've got uh rogue did you read this issue i did not read issue but i know the spoiler yes i because it was funny because I missed the I, I had somehow missed this issue and I actually probably would have bought it if I would have realized what they were doing but I missed it and when I heard about the spoiler I went wait oh oh yeah it's pretty cool oh bro yeah oh, this- and I, I really enjoyed it I thought it was really well done and I, I've kind of avoided a lot of not a lot of Marvel but a lot of Avengers stuff at the moment because it just it just hasn't drawn me in I like all new all different because uh, I like the interplay between Nova and Miles Morales and Kamala Khan I think that's quite a cute trio of characters but apart from that I've kind of avoided all the others but I'm going to keep picking this up um, Uncanny Avengers following this and I'm going to try and once I've got a bit more money go backwards 
and pick up the other ones. That sounds like maybe a bad idea because I because the first trades out and oh okay second, I might just get that first trades out um then second trade I to be honest when I heard about the ultra when I heard about what they're doing at Ultron I went whoa yeah yeah I yeah. like Ultron anyway I'm a big fan of Ultron ditto he's probably one of my favorite villains I yeah. mean that's why as one of my first I went oh they're really they're really pushing the Ultron threat back in back in play here he's they're not playing with this it's like yeah we're we're going there we're yeah. There. And I don't know if it's because Cable and Deadpool and Ultron and, and all that kind of mix of characters, but there's a very 90s feel to this. And I think the artwork is um, has got a very 90s kind of influence to it as well, because it's kind of exaggerated, bombastic. I should say the, um, the team on this, shouldn't I? It's Jerry Duggan writing, and who is it on art? Let's have a look. Is it still Ryan Stegman? Uh, not this issue, I don't think. Uh, Pepe Larraz? Pepe Larraz, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was really strong issue. And even the, the cover was quite 90s where it says like Ultron Reborn. And it's a picture of Hank being swallowed by like a liquid Ultron form, which is really cool. So, yeah, I like it. That's pretty cool. I mean, I think it's kind of interesting about about what they're kind of playing. Because Marvel's right now in the midst of Civil War everything. Right now, pretty much all of Marvel is Civil War. This is this is Marvel right now. So what you're dealing with here is Marvel being in Civil War mode. So it's like, I'm not sure when the Kenny Avengers is going to pop up in there. But it seems like right now, Kenny Avengers has got, got their own big threat to deal with being mother freaking Ultron. Yeah. Being, being in their big threat. It's like, uh-oh. That's a that's a that's one threat that any Avengers team would be like, oh crap, Ultron. Yeah, which I, I mean, I don't mind the um, the Civil War kind of crossover at the moment. I'm I'm not hating it. it. I'm enjoying it more than I thought I was going to. Um, are you picking it up? And uh, trade. I right. if, if I if I tried to pick up like Civil War, all of the things, I'd be like, I'm basically like playing around like. Like right, I'm kind of like playing around with like some DC stuff. I'll check out a few Marvel things here and there. Like I'm right now, probably my next thing I'm gonna try out will be uh, Nighthawk. Nighthawk's great. Yeah. I had I I, I kind of did it in formal like night like going okay guys Nighthawk Hyperion which one should I get like what I kind of had people say Nighthawk so have you, are you buying Hyperion? I've not read Hyperion no. But you but said I did like his character in um, Hickman's Avengers. So you said so, you, but you said Nighthawk is really good. Nighthawk's good, but I didn't pick it up at first. It's only from um, someone on Twitter actually. Uh, her name's Steph underscore I underscore Will, and she hosts the Lemonade Pod. Oh, cool! Uh, Lemonade Podcast, um, which is really cool. You guys, if you want to listen to a great podcast, um, and she recommended Nighthawk, so I picked up. Um, issue one and it's great it's really good it feels a bit like Midnighter in a kind of it's got that kind of um, core dynamic to it um, and it's got a little twinge of that I don't think it's it's not quite as smart or as polished as that but um, definitely a lot of promise to it like I really find the main character quite compelling uh, and I've got issue two but I've not read it yet uh, but I definitely want to. Um, I definitely want to continue reading that. I'll probably, I'll probably check out Nighthawk then because I've been kind of. I've been wanting to check it out because I because I keep hearing nothing but good things. Like yeah. Like out of any book I've heard about lately from Marvel, like Nighthawk seems to be the book everyone goes. Oh no, you need to read this. It's like, worth okay. it definitely. And if I had to recommend one book at the moment from Marvel, I love all the like the. There's a kind of core of Marvel books like uh, Hellcat, Ms. Marvel, Howard the Duck. Uh, Squirrel Girl that I think are kind of forging a new path and they're forging like the future of Marvel um, but there's one book that is feels like it's, it's everything that traditional Marvel like you know from how I remember it as as, as a kid um, and how I feel the, the best kind of you know high concept like serious Marvel heroes um, how that is I feel like the best version of that is the Ultimates, which is Al Ewing and Kenneth Rockerfort, and it's absolutely fantastic. I've heard, I've been hearing really good things, and I that's and I was like going, oh, I wish it would not have slipped past me when it first hit because it was it looks really good. I like Rockerfort. I actually oh, do. Rockerfort's art absolutely stunning. One of my favorite artists at the moment, hundred percent. I remember Rockerfort's art when he first popped. Like like some of the some of the best bits of um, it's got a weird like when you deal with Red Hood and the Outlaws and. Like how they handle that book, and you're like, like that book had issues, but Rockefeller's art was pretty. 
So and I've, then, not, I've not seen him on anything before this, so I'm going to go back and get anything that he's drawn. Oh, I got a book for you then. Um, he wrote, he did a book with Paul Dini, uh, Madame Mirage. It was from Top Cow. Ooh. That was where I first actually discovered Rockefeller. Oh, really? Brilliant. So, well, yeah. He's done fantastic stuff. I've written, I feel like I'm harping on about this, so if anyone reads my blog or anything like that, or follows me on Twitter, they'll probably have seen me going on about the Ultimates, but it's just absolutely fantastic. Okay, I like that. I know they're doing Crazy of the Galactus, I know they're doing a lot of very high high concept crazy stuff and really playing around with some cool ideas. Yeah. And, and I think Al that, Ewing's that. kind of like, I gotta call Al Ewing kind of the quiet mad genius of Marvel. He like, is, he really is. Like, I, lo- I love, love Ultimates, I love the Mighty Avengers he did before that, purely because Luke Cage is one of my favourite characters. Oh. Um, and he's not in this, but um, he's obviously more of a street level kind of character and this is as out there as it gets and it's got a fantastic cast of characters the concepts that it's doing it's a di- it's almost a direct sequel to secret wars and it's the fantastic four book that we don't have at the moment okay i might i'm actually looking into some stuff because i kind of want to check out i was looking at amazon today and i was looking over because i, I kind of want to try out the uh, spidey book so, oh yeah, yeah, that's quite cool. And I'm, I'm trying to check out that, and then I saw, ooh, Ultimate is coming out soon. Trade. It's like, okay, I might. Yeah, get the trade of it, definitely. In the trade of Ultimate thing, because it actually looks like, and I kind of go, ooh, yeah. and of course, because it's got a, I always, I always love it. Yeah, ooh, that looks pretty. Like that, I, I, I have, you have no idea how often some book I've actually gone, ooh, that looks cool. And yeah, yeah. and it's like story, like like, oh, cool writer, I like, ooh, writer, I like, ooh, and the art looks cool. Okay. That's yeah, too. art draws me in a lot more than than writers. I find I find that if art is absolutely fantastic, especially on things that I'm not sure of or I don't know, like Kickstarter, I I'm drawn in more by how good the artwork is on a Kickstarter project than I am by you know what I think of the story or what I think of the you know some of the preview pages, the writing in the preview pages. I I can forgive a lot in writing if the art is absolutely fantastic. I can dig that because like for a Kickstarter, I think I think it's only a wave with a comic project. Like if you kept people's eye with the art on a Kickstarter project, then it's like, okay, how you can draw people, get people in the door. Yeah, exactly. Now it's time for that part of the show where we have a guest on and we talk about their issue that they want to talk about. So now we've got an old friend of ours. thought we'd start, I have to say, Wes was technically the very first guest on the show, um, but he upgraded to co-host so quickly that I feel like he's invalidated that. So now Josh is the official first guest on the show. Um, Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. It's such an honor to be the first guest. And I guess future second co-host. <laughs> yeah, I did say last uh, last episode that I'm gathering people like the Pied Piper, so uh, you'll be with us next episode as well then. This is like a job interview. I'll have to try to do my best to be entertaining, but oh, again, yeah. always yeah, nice. i judging this. Always nice to chat. Definitely miss hearing from you guys day to day. Well, we I should say to uh, to those who are listening, we know Josh, uh, you were the editor-in-chief of Rhymes with Geek back in the day, that's how all three of us met each other, and we did a brief podcast, very brief, I think it was two episodes, was it? Three? Mm-hmm. And you had no reason to go forward because it was perfection. So it was pretty much spotless. Yeah, <laughs> there was nothing um, else to say. I'm standing on the shoulders now. of giants just by attempting more episodes. <laughs> We've got you on so you can talk about a comic book that is significant to you. Um, I know the comic book, but I don't know why it's significant. So, first of all, what is the comic you've bought with you for show and tell? Sure. The issue I found significant in my life is Batman issue 456. This is actually part two of a three-part story, as Wes reminded me earlier, (laughs) in which Batman is dealing with a bunch of people who are going crazy around Christmas time, and it turns out the Scarecrow is one of the culprits causing problems. Spoilers. <laughs> well, hey, look, this came out in, uh, I think, 1992? 1990. So if you haven't read it in the past 26 years... <laughs> yeah. And Wes, you've only just read this, haven't you? Did, did you just read this for the first time, Wes? This is my first time ever reading this. So this you was, only just was... narrowly missed them spoilers, then. Yeah, I, I know. I, I narrowly missed the spoiler. It kind of cracked me up. Because I was like, like, what is this? 
kept probably reading something I have not got a chance to read until now. Yeah, well, me yeah. neither. I've not read it either. It was um, I didn't understand. I didn't know uh, why it was significant or anything. But then when I started reading it, it is quite a significant issue for Batman as well, though, isn't it? Because it's um, Tim Drake is not quite Robin, and this is kind of the story that creates Tim Drake as Robin. Is that right? Exactly. So you have uh, a death in the family where Jason Todd is sadly murdered by the Joker. Mm -hmm. And then from there, Batman goes into this dark place where he's just murderous. and Maybe not murderous, okay, but he's he's skirting the line. Shooting guns everywhere like he does. He's he's not Batman v Superman murderous, but he's, uh, he's in a bad place. Yeah. And Tim Drake is this smart kid, you know? He's every kid that imagines themselves teaming up with Batman. And he deduces Batman's identity over the course of a lonely place of dying. Mm. At the end of that series, Batman says, all right, well, I'll consider taking you in as my new Robin, but we'll see. And then during this series, this is the moment where Tim decides he's going to prove his worth and save Batman, even if that means he never gets to be Robin. So this is Batman 456. This is a three-part storyline, as you said. This is the second part of that storyline. Now, this is called Identity Crisis Part 2. Mm. So this is the first Identity <laughs> Crisis. I saw that I saw that title and I had a bit of a bit of a shiver. I wonder if uh, Alan Grant is going to sue Brad Metzler once this comes to light. <laughs> yeah, once they figure that out. Are we the first people to have noticed that? I wonder. <laughs> There's a scandal 26 years in the making. <laughs> Can I believe I've got an exclusive on my third episode? <laughs> so this was... Um, Alan Grant is the writer, and Norm Brayfogle is the art, with Steve Mitchell on inks, uh, Adrian Roy on colours, uh, Todd Klein on letters. I've remembered this all off the top of my head. I'm not reading it at all. That's, that's okay. fairly impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> now, I, I, I had no idea who any of these guys were, but looking back, I mean, if you're going to read a first comic, I don't think Norm Brayfogle is a bad artist. He's really, in my mind, one of the most iconic Batman artists. And Alan Grant is a Scottish writer, I guess, who worked on Judge Dredd. Yeah, and then kind of... I've, I've seen him in that. So, I mean, if you're going to start reading comics for the first time, I think you, this is a good one to start with. Yeah, Although, definitely. Maybe part one would be better, but... <laughs> <laughs> maybe. That's so, like, did you read this first, then? Uh, this was the first comic that I ever purchased, or to say, because I was young, in 1990, I didn't have money of my own, but my dad took me to the comic store, and he said, you can get anything you want, one issue. So I, I walked around and I looked at different characters. And I think it was between this and a random X-Men comic. But something about the cover here where we have Tim Drake looking at the iconic Jason Todd costume in the glass case. And there's the ghosts of the former Robins kind of just seeping up out of it. It really struck me as something, even as a prepubescent child, that there was, there was this very poignant moment. And I was curious. And that started a lifetime of wasting my money on comics so <laughs> you always remember the first time right That's, yeah, uh, yeah now this is interesting though when i realized it was part two <laughs> i feel was, bad <laughs> this was funny so this is what i did so i decided i i'm not giving you any crap josh at all i actually that's that kind of funny he so says went, that building it up and so i went matt this is part two <laughs> <laughs> how should i play this and I, so i decided so what so what I decided was I was going to read part two just as a standalone, just to see what captured young Josh's mind at the time, like what captured his. And you know what? For this being part two, it was fairly easy to understand what was going on without having read part one. Yeah. I was legitimately surprised. Yeah, I have to agree. Like I went into this one first and didn't read the previous one. I did end up buying the previous one and buying the next one as well. Um, yep. Yeah, because they're all on Comixology, so uh, if you want to play along at home, uh, you can buy the issues and read along with us. Um, but yeah, you, you definitely don't have to. So I can imagine... How old were you, Josh, when you picked this up? Oh my god, this is going to make me do math. It's so embarrassing. Is, yeah, it's just going to tell your age. So going to force you to do math and reveal your age all in one go. I was six. So you turn the page, you turn the first page, and, well, the digital edition anyway, there's probably adverts in the real one, but... There's a man in a Santa costume with a skull mask hitting shoppers with nunchucks. That is anything a six-year-old would want. 
from a Batman comic. That is instantly makes me a fan, and I'm already a fan. And he says, Merry Christmas, suckers. Ho, ho, ho. As he whacks a man in the head with nunchucks. The first line, the first sentence from a comic that young Josh read is, Merry Christmas, suckers. Ho, ho, ho. It's brilliant. Pretty rapidly, you've got Batman showing up. Beating yeah. this guy yeah. up. And it continues. And it says uh, there's the radio um, voiceover on the, um, on the speakers you can see above Gracie's department store. It says, Christmas Eve, a time of joy and goodwill. But our streets are grim and silent as the revelers and shoppers stay home. For Gotham tonight is a city in terror. You're, just, you're gripped at this point. Six-year-old Josh is gripped. <laughs> I don't know, I'm impressed that I could read. <laughs> and not be I don't even know if I could. I might have just Santa been Claus. looking at the pictures at six. I, I, I can't recall. But to be fair, I, I read it over and over and over because I don't think I ever got the other issues until much later in life. Yeah, so you didn't even find out what happened or what had led up to this for years to come. I think eventually they, they published Robin, a hero reborn, the collected edition. Okay, 1991 that came out, so I must have got it then. Ah, what, the collection? Yeah. When you were the more savvy seven-year-old shopper. Yeah, and I think by then I could handle the nuanced story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You'd already gotten You'd your already head around the tropes and the, uh, the cliches of Batman. I don't know if you guys agree, but I think this has held up pretty well for... It was compelling. I was, like, in reading this issue, because I, what, what th- I thought was cool is, and, and it's like, it's something that a lot of writers even lose nowadays, is sometimes when you read the, like, second issue of a storyline, have fun. You are not, you're not going to, it's like, you have to pretty much buy that issue before, or else you're going to be like, what's going on? What, what's yeah, happening? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. back then, they and, and back in like back in 1990, they were still they still had they were still kind of keeping to the well. Every it's like if that if that first issue that someone picks up, it could be someone's first issue of a comic ever. So you kind of have to go okay, and you have to and you just kind of dive in. And I mean, it explain like within two pages, you got okay. Batman's having to deal with these crimes of whim. People are attacking people at random, seemingly random, and it's like. It's just, and it explains everything within a few pages. And you're like, this is impressive. Why are formerly upstanding citizens having homicidal breakdowns? Exactly. Yeah. And it's fascinating, and it explains it. And I, and it, and it was very, it was impressive how they did it. And of course, when you have, as Matt so lovingly put it, the a, a person in a skull mask, Willie nunchucks, beating the crap out of people. Don't you feel like that should have been a recurring character in the lore? <laughs> Nunchuck Skull Santa? It rolls off the tongue, the name. So, so there is a character in Batman lore named Lord Deathman that came out of the Batman manga. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. manga, yeah. Uh, Grant Morrison picked that up. Yep. So, so no nunchucks, but... Not even dressed like Santa. Waste. But, yeah, but yeah, Lord Deathman. So technically, while this sort of character without nunchucks exists... But just without the nunchucks, so yeah, yeah, yeah. can't have it. But yeah, so, it was, it was, and and also the iconic Norm Breitbogel doing the art on this. I mean, good freaking lord, man! The art is yeah. great. That Batmobile. It's, there's a, an image of the Batmobile about well, about a third of the way through the issue. Yeah, and it's pretty swish. It's like a um, like a DeLorean. Yeah, he definitely. It was almost like a like a Pontiac or like a Firebird. It's yeah, just it's, it's got a sporty look to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I shared um, I shared an image of it on Twitter, and to see if anyone could guess the actual issue it was from, um, and very quickly I realised that was a very difficult competition I just set up. It's like, no, what? look at this random image from 1990. What comic is it? Uh, you might be guessing the artist, but yeah, the, someone straight away guessed the artist. I don't actually have whoever's name it was that guessed the artist but they guessed it straight away the, the, the one thing looking back I like about this is it's a real honest to goodness detective story for mm-hmm. Batman and you also see Tim Drake who goes on to be this you know junior detective Batman you see him trying to work out the mystery over the course of the story mm. and also looking at the legacy of what he's trying to step into and so you, you get a whole sense of what the Batman universe is about in one issue yeah, and it is an actual honest mystery. Like I, I was following it, and I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and it's when you find out the villain is Scarecrow, it's kind of obvious. 
but at the same time you don't you didn't think about that straight away so it didn't automatically pop into your head as like, oh yeah this is scarecrow um it was a good mystery and what i liked about it as well was strangely batman wasn't in it a lot like yeah. he's in the beginning and he's near the end of well this issue anyway uh, he's yeah. in the beginning and he's in the end but it's mostly tim drake in the bat cave you know trying to Alfred. piece it all together and then also uh, Vicky Vale is in this as a supporting character. So you're introduced to uh, sort of a, a minor character in, in the early 90s that you haven't seen much. But this is definitely during her height as a premier Gotham reporter and Bruce Wayne love interest. Yeah. So do you think because it was centered more around Tim Drake, like the Boy Wonder or the Boy Wonder to be, do you think that's what drew you in when you first read the comic? Yes. That, that's kind of the point of Robin, isn't it, really? To make this Batman shadowy kind of figure more relatable by saying, look, he, you know, you could be Robin. Isn't that ironic? Because that's why the character was invented in the, in the 40s and it still works in 1990 yeah. for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what drew you in. I like that. So that, that, was, that was definitely fun. And, and the other thing was you, you kind of see the allusions to the legacy where uh, Tim's having that mental conversation with himself, and you see the ghosts of the characters kind of giving him advice on what he should do and whether he should take that move. Yeah, I quite like that because, you know, you can look at it two ways, can't you? You can look about the fact that this is this is actually... These characters are speaking to him and they're speaking to us, the readers, and kind of there's that whole idea of legacy. And we've, you know, if you're a reader that goes back and looks through it, you know, these are characters you know, you're familiar with. Um, but on the other hand, you can also look and go, well, this is this is all in Tim's head. You know, he's said himself, he says himself in the comic, I don't know if it's in this one or the previous issue, um, but he talks about the death of his parents and now he's, yeah. you know, or the death of his mother is re- very recent. And so he's obviously suffering, and Batman doesn't want him to be Robin, and I think he doesn't want him to be Robin for a few reasons. You know, He doesn't want to have the responsibility of another kind of Jason Todd in the making kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he also doesn't want to put this kid through beating up people in clown costumes for a living. <laughs> That's definitely true. But then, so he's got this trauma, like Tim Drake's like he's there, he's he's having this debate in his head, and it is all in his head. He's got these characters, and it's kind of the pressure of responsibility, isn't it? Kind of reminds me of the uh, the Native American vision quest when in the movies you've got that up and coming member of the tribe. He sits there until he has a vision of the spirit animal. Yeah, yeah, it's very much like that, and it's drawn really well. It's drawn like that because. You can see the two other Robins, and they're kind of misty, and they're they're not quite formed. They're a bit like shadows in front of him, um, and it's good. But I do like the fact that he's, you know, he says, they say, uh, heroes never give up, Tim. You know that. And he says, Dick. And then Jason Todd, like that's his full name, Jason Todd. Yeah, you can't just call him Jason, just in case we don't know which Jason he's talking about. And it's also funny. I also, and it's also weird when you see how they managed to work that in. Because it's like it kind of elevates Jason Todd to that level of actually part, truly part of the legacy outside of just being the robbing killed by a hotline. Yeah, I suppose it kind of solidified his, as you say, like his legacy really. Like he was, he's now become the the character that was killed, and that's that's his almost his purpose, I suppose. Well, not anymore. He's back, any but yeah, um, that was his purpose at the time was to kind of go right. Okay, this is Batman's failure. This is how Batman failed. And this is how this affects the, you know, the, pre- the, the next, next generation. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I, I feel like this was just a really great time for the comics in terms of storytelling, in terms of art, in terms of balancing the right amount of characters and building upon the legacy. I mean, sometimes I feel like they kept replaying that new character going through the training process over and over till it feels a little crowded in the mm-hmm. Bat universe, yeah. especially. Yeah, now where we're at, I mean, without talking too much about modern comics, but this was like just the right moment to do it, and it still felt like a fairly new concept, even though it was number three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a fairly new concept to have this third person be Robin. <laughs> and it's interesting how Tim Drake ends up becoming kind of like a very beloved Robin through the ninth and into the early thousands. He's our generation's Robin, isn't he? Really, like Wally West is our generation's Flash. Yeah, that's definitely true. 
and it's like Tim Drake right up until, and then pretty much, and then right, pretty much like then Tim Drake, and then right up until, I can't remember exactly when Tim Drake stopped being officially Robin, but it was like right when they started making, they kind of just like, okay, like this Red Robin, he was that Robin for a good chunk of the audience, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is Robin for, because he was the Robin in the Batman animated series when the, when the kids WB, then pretty much throughout that run, that was how it that's how a lot of people knew Robin was Tim Drake Robin on the Kids WWE Batman show. And can can I just share my favorite favorite part of this comic, which unfortunately, as modern comicsology buyers, you guys missed out on. I'm going to share an image, so excuse if there's the bloop noise. But right in the middle of this comic is a full page ad for Splatterhouse, yes. which was the most violent, bloody game ever for TurboGrafx-16. And it's done like a mini comic in itself, where uh, that's nice. I'll put this up on the show notes. <sighs> the uh, the main character goes to a haunted house with his girlfriend, and she gets kidnapped. And then this ki- poor guy, he wakes up with the terror mask on, and he has to basically fight off monsters in this haunted house with a crowbar. And I remember seeing this and being like, "This is awesome too." <laughs> yeah, this is all part of the package, isn't it? You know, because I remember you know picking up the comics and obviously being over in the UK, I pick up these American comics and they'd have adverts for things I've never heard of before, like Flintstone cereal, Disneyland Resort, which you know was a million miles, might as well have been on the moon for all I cared. And that, but that was part of picking up the comics, that was part of the issue, was kind of pausing and going, oh, look at this crazy advert. And so, yeah, seeing a massive advert for Splatterhouse in the middle would only serve to make this comic more awesome. You've gone from Nunchuck Santa Skeleton to Splatterhouse. <laughs> it, it, it's also on the back cover. Have you ever played this game, Wes? Yes. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yes, I, I played Chatter, I played Splatterhouse. One, I played... I never really played three. I, I played a little bit of three. Oh, it's a trilogy. Wow. And there's wow. also there's and then there's also the by the way, this this is gonna be mini Splatterhouse lesson here, but it's like then there's one Paco Graffiti, which is like the Splatterhouse like super the form game that was released only in Japan on the Famicom. And oh my God. Uh, and there's Splatterhouse that was released on the PS three and three sixty. <laughs> You're like a Splatterhouse savant. This suddenly didn't know all this information. A quick, quick bit here. If you guys want to really know a lot more about Splatterhouse, go look up um, the Happy Video Game Nerd HVGN Splatterhouse video. That's how I know as much as I do because that. But yeah, this uh, this two-page advert for it is fantastic. I mean, that when you're six, that's really cool. Yeah. Did you even it's, think at the time that that's a game, or did you just think this is... You know, I, I, I knew what the TurboGrafx-16 was. Yeah. I, I never had it, but... Me neither. I, I wanted I, that. I knew people... I knew someone who did have the TurboGrafx-16, but I I never owned one myself. I, I That's how I played, like, Keith Courage and crap like that when I was a kid, but... When I was younger, but, yeah. But Spider-House, I never had to play on a T-16. I, I got to play it later, like, through, like, like emulation and crap, but on the actual system, no... Play on system. So, so that's that I never forgot. Yeah, and there's a cool bit as well where uh, Tim Drake is trying to solve the mystery, and there's mm-hmm. a half-page panel where he's running through all the other villains in his head, like who could it possibly be? And yeah. Bray Fogel's art here is awesome because Tim Drake is there and he's like doing the whole kind of oh who could it be like hand on his face. And around him is portraits of every single prominent, anyway, Batman villain at the time. So you've got Joker, Penguin, Two-Face, Ra's al Ghul, Poison Ivy, Catwoman. And so again, you've got a pretty great introduction to Batman in this second part of a three-part story. Now, I don't recall if I knew who these characters were, but <laughs> I'm sure that led to the appeal just to be like, oh my god, there's so much going on. Yeah, kind of, even if you don't know them, it hints at a wider world, doesn't it, I suppose? I don't know if you guys felt like this when you were younger, though, but any comic that had a lot of characters in it, you felt like you're getting a great value, so yeah. <laughs> just bonus. They even put Killer Moth and Anarchy and the Ventriloquist, Scarface, and Tweedledum, Tweedledee, and in the yeah, mix. So it's like... So it's like even like they give you the familiar ones like Poison Ivy and all that and Two Face, Joker, and all, and then you get like the more slightly more obscure than the mix. And you're like, wow, this is who's the guy in the bottom right? I don't even know. That's the one I'm even trying to figure out now. Like who? 
It's like a balding oh, man. Like a straight jacket. Yeah, with yes. uh, with pulsing veins on his face. Mm. Watch, watch someone who knows, watch it, listens to this, like who listens to this episode. It's yeah. gonna be like, it's gonna be like, yep, I know who it is. You get like, a fabulous. That's the issue. No prize. Forgetting what yeah, that is. Fab- fabulous. No prize here. What's the no prize? Cool. It's shiny. It's it's shiny. Yeah, that's what it is. I like the poor Scarface's uh, ventriloquist guy's bow tie. It's like gigantic yellow with orange polka dots. Yeah. <laughs> if you put that upright, it's bigger than his head. <laughs> Any man that wears a bow tie as big as his head is alright in my book. I think he's been unfairly grouped in with all the villains when he's clearly <laughs> a victim. Or oh gosh. Like he's just like, yep, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tim. Yeah, I'm here. It's it's interesting too, which of these characters have stayed prominent and which have kind of faded away. But I guess at the time, yeah, and uh, and then it's like then you get like Poison Ivy and then Ray's Al Ghul and Two Face and pretty and then of course Riddler and yeah. And so they used- you knew it or no, Josh, you got to see all of the main villains in this one issue, so you did get this- value for money. <laughs> you got a lot of value. That's yeah. right. So Tim Drake's trying to figure out the mystery. The mystery, obviously, is these random people, random members of the public, are putting on a skeleton mask, and some of them are Santa costumes, and finding nunchucks somehow, and going out and murdering people indiscriminately. And Batman is out trying to solve the mystery, and he's told Tim Drake to stay in the Batcave uh, and do not put on that Robin costume. Even though, in the previous issue, like obviously we're not talking about the previous issue, but there's... A, a moment where Tim Drake is talking with Bruce Wayne and saying, oh, you know, I know why they put on this costume. It's, you know, they're angry, they're full of rage, they want to hit back. They win a f- well, they want to fill the hole that's burning inside them. And Bruce Wayne's like, there's more to that, son. There's more to it than that, much more. Um, and he's talking, he's really talking it up and saying, oh, you know, it's, it's a great honour to have this costume. And then in the next breath, it's never put on the costume. He's dangling this this you know sweet sweet life of being a crime fighter and then going yeah but that's not for you no no put put that away that's not for you. Nope, you even hanging out with Batman and you actually get to be Robin he's always like stay on the roof don't get involved don't help me <laughs> and of course Tim Drake does get involved so. and it's not like a neat way to show that Tim Drake's pretty capable I mean he's a pretty capable like he's got a capable detecting mind because they show all like the evolution of Tim Drake in these three issues it's like it's like the first bit it's like okay He's kind of showing, okay, a little bit. And then the second issue is like, you know, how smart he is and how how very strong a detective he is. And the third issue showing how capable part detective and detective and then detective he is. And then, and then showing... And he takes on Scarecrow. That's the appeal of these three issues, that Batman turns up, page one, he is Batman. He's fully formed. We know who he is. Even if, as six-year-old Josh, you, you see the first image of him and you know who he is straight away. But then Tim Drake is actually the one that develops through these three issues. So he's got like a, a defined arc. He, you know, as, as Wes just said, you know, he starts and then he builds on that and then he becomes Robin by the end of the three issues. Pretty cool stuff. I mean, it's, it's impressive character building. It's, it's a great character journey from getting to end. I really like that. That was the coolest thing because I did not realize what I was fully getting here. Because the reason why, because I never had gotten to read like the, the first real full blown like Tim Drake becoming Robin story until today. So I was like, this is really cool. I yeah, that's yeah. why I thought it was so cool that I that this that I finally got to read this after all this time. I never had I never had realized that's where Tim Drake get to become Robin. That's so cool. Yes, did yes. you know, uh, Josh, that you were uh, picking up such a significant issue at the time? I did not, and <laughs> that's probably why I turned out the way I did. I mean, imagine if I had just gotten something terrible, like Super Pro number one as my first comic. <laughs> I don't know if that would have been better or worse, though, because this <sighs> one, it, it's so, it's you know, it's pretty seminal for that character. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, right, okay, well, every issue must be like this. And it's like, no, no, he's going to fight Tweedledee and Tweedledum next issue. Brilliant. Uh, okay, great. And I, I look back and I see why Tim Drake was successful as a character because they took their time introducing him. He didn't, even after this, go right into being Robin. He had his own series of miniseries hmm. where in the first one it was five issues with him traveling through like some part of Europe and getting involved with Shiva having a showdown with this character King Snake. Then in his second miniseries, he's in Gotham during Christmas time again, 
and Batman's not around, and the Joker shows up, so he's got to take the Joker down himself. And then in the third miniseries, he teams up with the Huntress and takes down the King's Stake again. And let me be clear, that's not the best one, but by the time all three of those ended, you really believe that he was capable. It did a good job of building him up again and again, then, to try and build this character. And I think Chuck Dixon was the one who wrote all of this, excluding the Alan Grant stuff. But. Oh, yeah. People forget, Alan Grant had a pretty substantial run on Batman. I mean, mm. he, he lasted on Batman for a pretty decent while. It was like, he, he had a pretty long run, and then, like, Alan Grant is like, Alan Grant, because he was, I think there were, this was around the same period he was starting to get, he was starting to do some stuff on Lobo, and then starting to do some stuff on, on um, let's see, he was doing some Lobo stuff, and some Demon stuff. So he was doing a little bit of everything around DC at one point. Like, I think he was working, if I remember correctly, he was working on the, uh, some of the Legion stuff at the time too. The Legion, not the Legion of Superheroes, the Legion subtitles. He was everywhere around DC at one point. Oh, cool. It looks like this costume, the new Tim Drake costume, was designed by Neil Adams, but first drawn by Brayfogle, so that's kind of cool. By the end of this issue, we get the reveal that Scarecrow is the bad guy. Oh yeah, how could I forget? But then it's not till the end of the third part that Tim Drake puts on the Robin costume and becomes you know, becomes what he was almost destined to be in this series. I think looking back I actually did have this four fifty seven because I remember having this cover as a kid and being amazed that Batman was covered in spiders. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty creepy cover. It's really freaky. I, I like this costume design for Scarecrow too. He kinda reminds me of Slenderman. The final page of four five six is him kind of stood on top of a gantry looking down at the viewer. And his limbs are gangly, he looks like an actual scarecrow that's hanging in a field. And yeah, Slenderman, because his limbs are all bent completely the wrong way. Norm Brayfogle does a really cool-looking scarecrow. Yeah, it really does. I guess I should thank my dad for not reading this before buying it for me, looking back. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if I would give this to a six-year-old. <laughs> Thanks for having poor choices for your child, Dad. Hey, Dad. Thanks, Dad, for comic that probably should not have been reading at six years old he's made you into the twisted man you are today you know yep. the, the other the other thing that was completely inappropriate my dad got me when i was young was he had dinosaurs attacked crate trading card series yeah <laughs> you ever see those no i didn't see those are they oh yeah, man no. i'm gonna look them up right now and see how inappropriate they are they're just dinosaurs just like running wild like eating reporters and burning down the white house and it's just it's sort of i think it's made by the same people who made like garbage pail kids oh yeah yeah like police so. precinct assaulted and it's a stegosaurus eating a police officer and his tail is slashing the eye out of another police officer yeah, yeah i like my favorite picture it's a comic con catastrophe there's like <laughs> so i guess i have to thank my dad for just poor choices for children and play it turned out semi-well adjusted so obviously can't have done that bad poor choices for children third episode of that season <laughs> um, so where did you go from here then as a comics reader you know it's it's hard to remember i mostly look back on the worst conditioned comics i have hmm. things that are just, <laughs> but i think right after this I, I got the robin miniseries and then i remember nightfall happening yeah. and that leading into the uh asbats like the armored batman so i think i was just really really a batman fan hmm. and then right around the same time was death of superman so those two series and all the tie-ins and things like that. That was my first introduction to the spectacle of comics. Yeah. And I was purely a DC kid, if you can imagine. So. Well, that set you off on the right footing to be a DC kid. If you've got the introduction of Tim Drake being your first, or the introduction of Tim Drake Robin as you, one of your first issues, and then you've got Nightfall and Death of Superman. Are you constant? Are you still a DC fan? I, I am. I don't actively buy current series at this point, but I do collect trades and I do collect back issues. I actually have gone back and even recently started purchasing the original issues related and surrounding this run because. You know, you, you just, you remember those classic series and you want to kind of like appreciate it. And I think the same way how not all music is necessarily the best music. You know, you can kind of enjoy things from the 60s or the 70s. Now that's where I'm at as a comic reader, where yeah. I choose to kind of focus on what I love about the comics. And so that's where I'm at with DC, more focusing on classic eras. Yeah. When I first asked you to come on the show, you pretty much went straight to this issue. So is this... Was this what was this the first one you thought of? It was either this or there is a really 
I guess, iconic image of Paul Jordan and Guy Gardner duking it out on the cover of a Green Lantern issue to see who will be the Green Lantern of Earth. Okay. And that was a close pick. I don't know if you ever read that one. But we can talk about that in another episode. Oh, that's oh. a bit presumptuous. <laughs> Alright, I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. So what did you think about the, the three part of them, Wes? Overall, it was fun. Hmm. It was it was a very cool three parter. I finally got to read the first the the first like bit of Tim Drake as Robin in that setup. And I God help me, I kinda wanna start reading black back all those old Tim Drake issues because they have it all in comicsology, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So are they, dangerous are they priced thing. at a dollar? Like they uh, were dollar, in 19... Which is that? $1.99 for, yeah. Yeah. for all that's Inflation. not bad. And it's really easy. I mean, it's just click, click, okay. Thanks, Comixology. And it was 50, 50 pence in the UK, man. Just so you know. 50 pence. It's, I mean, I really like I really like that story. I mean, it's like it's really kind of like the classic Batman story. Of, it's like the classic setup for Robin. And yeah, the cla- one of the classic Batman versus Norm Breitvogel. And Alan Grant, probably one of the more solid writers at DC because I've read a lot of Alan Grant. I've read a lot of his like Demon Run. I've read a small bits of his Globo Run, but I read a lot of his Demon stuff. And mm-hmm. and it's like really cool. And some and like some of his Batman stuff. I was like, this is actually this is actually a really cool way. I mean, I can see, I can see why six year old Josh went, wow, that's oh. cool. And I'm going to try to find that six-year-old Josh who still gets so excited about <laughs> number two issues of comics. <laughs> Rekindle my passion. That was the funniest thing because I actually started I, when I bought when I got this issue. I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Like I, I was curious. That was really like, what is what got Josh into this? And I went part two. <laughs> that was the funniest. I started laughing. I I started laughing, and then I was like, "Matt, it's part two. <laughs> Well, isn't that the way, though? Because me and you, last episode, we were talking about our, you know, significant issues. And the very yeah. first British issues that I picked up, or the very first uh, American issues in British form that I picked up, was the second issue of Fantastic Four Heroes Reborn. Okay. Which, uh, on a, as a comparison to the introduction of Tim Drake as Robin, it pales significant. But um, I kind of miss those times where you just went into the shop and... You were so young that you didn't really know, you didn't really know the context, and so you just picked up a random issue. And mm-hmm. you know, every issue is someone's first issue, isn't it? You know, as they say. Um, and that's really obvious when you look at ones like this. When you know your first issue wasn't only the second part of a three-part story; it was issue four hundred and fifty-six. It introduced a ton of new characters to you, um, and yet you still loved it. You are correct, sir. So, <laughs> comics bringing kids into reading and appreciating long legacies of publishing, exposing yeah. them to gory, gory shit. Yes, yes. My my strange love of Splatterhouse, which I'm going to look up after I get off this podcast. <laughs> yeah, your enduring love of Splatterhouse hasn't hasn't continued, has it? It's just the comics that's kept. Yeah, just the ads. Suddenly, Josh. Suddenly, Josh ends up with a very mysterious order on eBay, getting a Turbo <laughs> 16 and Splatterhouse. So, oh man! Though you can't. Though of course, though of course, it'd be really expensive because some of that stuff's gotten retro gaming is expensive anyway. But if suddenly Josh ends up with some interest, some new Splatterhouse games in his, in his gaming collection, we'll know why. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Something here. We started a, a new journey for Josh. Now I'm an adult. I can buy whatever I want. Yeah. Although I don't know if my dad would have got this for me. It's pretty pretty gory. And <laughs> yet he did. Dad would have been like, what? Like, Money got taken away. It's really funny when sometimes our parents just go, oh, yeah, you can buy that. That's cool. And then and then they, and then they later, and then like years later, they start, they re, they look at some of your stuff and they go, I let you buy this? It's like, <laughs> yeah. There's and a guy like, on the cover dressed like a bat covered in spiders, you say. I see no problem with that. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah, that's I'd like to think I'd be a cool parent. I don't know. Nunchuck yeah. skeleton Santa. Yeah, that's probably fine. <laughs> that's fine. Nunchuck Santa. Go for it. Nunchuck Santa the skull mask. Perfect. Would you give this to your six-year-old son, Josh? Yes. Knowing knowing it would start his love of comics, he deserves it. Although he doesn't exist. But if he did exist, he would get this. Yeah. 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 And in the future, he would be on a podcast as awesome as this. <laughs> that's the road you're setting him on. It's, it's a circle of life, really. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a high note to end this on. That's I, think that's a, I think that's a good place. Any final thoughts? No, no. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to hear your favorite picks. I think I listened to a good part of the first episode, but 
Yeah. Having been on this podcast, I can say it is a great show of utmost quality and fantastic hosts. So thank you very much. Thank you. You oh, could thanks. have said that at the beginning so that people kept listening. But, you know. <laughs> if you made it this far, I'm sure you agree. Yeah, obviously, of course. Well, thank you, Josh. Where can people find you on the internet? I nowhere. I, I, if you find me on the internet, I'll be upset. Leave me alone. <laughs> you are you're a hermit ghost. Don't look for me. I'm doing nothing except this. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can find me here. Maybe again one day. Yeah, exactly. Well, we That's welcome you on the show anytime. It'd be a pleasure to have you back on, man. Well, thank you, gents. Thanks once again to uh, to Josh for joining us on the show. Uh, really enjoyed chatting with him. Um, it was really good to uh, to get to know those issues of Batman and kind of know a little bit more about Josh. And as he says, I'm sure we'll be seeing him on the show again in the future. What do you think, Wes? Definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, I got to finally read the first major Tim Drake story. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I like that. I I like that. I finally got a reason. To get, I got a chance to read that because I I didn't realize until until I started reading it. So yeah, that was probably when the really outside of getting a chance to really talk with Josh and getting to know him a little like the other bonus the bonus of that was getting to read the first major Tim Drake story that's I mean, I think that was quite handy for us because it was it's the first kind of guest that we've had on talking about an issue that's significant to them, but it just so happened to be a pretty significant issue in its own right. Exactly. So that was cool. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, really appreciate you joining us. As always, please get in touch with the show. We've got a new email address, uh, which is that's the issue podcast at gmail.com. Uh, so you can send us questions, comments. Um, if you want to get in touch with us uh, individually, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Matt Loon. That's M-A-T-T-L-U-N-E. And um, where can they find you? And you can find me at, at @gikulanded at on Twitter. I'm very easy to get in touch with. I'm on Twitter a pretty decent bit throughout the day, so always never hesitate to say hi. Show notes for this episode will be on awesomesourcecomics.com uh, that's S-O-U-R-C-E as in your source for all things awesome we are on iTunes we are on Stitcher we are on SoundCloud if you like us please subscribe leave us a, a good review uh, that will always go uh, quite a long way with us um, and it will mean a lot and we hope to see you next time where we hope to have another guest on the show uh, but for now say goodbye Wes bye bye keep listening yeah, keep listening. Don't say watching. And then say watching. Yeah, don't keep listening now because the show's ending. But you know, the next one. Listen to the next one. Anyway. Well, that was fun. I didn't realize that was going to be the whole focus of the episode. I'm glad I uh, I reread this a little bit before. <laughs> <laughs>